Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sunday School Podcast, where our goal is to uh, take the text from Sunday's sermon and unpack it a little further and discuss it, and uh, mostly to encourage you to study your Bibles, to read your Bibles, and to think critically about what's being taught so that the church is edified and continues to grow to be exactly what God has called the church to be and to do. And so we are continuing a series uh, called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And last week, the focus was how how should I pray or how to pray according to Jesus, lessons from the life and ministry of Jesus. And this week, we're going to uh, answer the reverse question of that, how not to pray. And uh, if you are someone who is new to this, um, recognize that uh, we base most of the discussion in this podcast off of the sermon curriculum that we write each week for the message. And that curriculum is available under each of the videos as they come online. So you can go to our YouTube channel um, and you can find those videos and in the descriptions You'll, you will see the curriculum. If you're on uh, Facebook uh, social media, you can uh, go to our Facebook page, search the Evangelical Free Church of Canton, and uh, you will find a description with this curriculum as well if you want to follow along with those discussions exactly. And so we encourage you, uh, whether it's on your own or with a group of people, uh, open the Bible. Uh, grab your Bibles. That's our desire is to simply give you a tool where all you need is your Bible and some other uh, brothers or sisters in Christ or other individuals who just want to study Scripture. And uh, there is great value in not overcomplicating it. Just going, let's open the Word of God and allow it to intersect with where we're at and uh, act as if it is living and active as it says it is. Yeah, you can't get to know God unless you open up and read His Word. It's true. So, icebreaker question. This is going to be fun. No, it's not. Not, <laughs> not at all. Would you call yourself a people person? I would call myself a people and a person. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Next. Why or why not? <laughs> well, because I was created as a human okay. by God. Okay. Oh. oh, no, a people person... Not particularly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of of people. People. People are. People are people. I mean, if you look at the Bible. People are horrible. <laughs> people. Are people. Yeah. Look at the Bible. People are horrible. We're all hateful, sinful beings. And so, and I I have a a uh, fault of being very honest and blunt, almost to a negative, because mm. I just I don't have a filter. I just say things, and then my wife gives me looks and they're not loving <laughs> not loving looks either it's like why did you say that thank god for our wives yes they keep us in check 
She tries. <laughs> she tries. She tells me all the time, this is why I'm going gray. Why my hair is falling out. It's nothing to do with our children. It's all you. I told her lying is a sin. Oh, my goodness. I, are you? Are you a people I, person? See, this is an interesting question for me. Yeah, Pastor Matt. Are you I a know. people person? So this is funny. I, I always surprise people. My wife is way quieter than me. And obviously, I'm the one who speaks in front of people on Sundays and meets with people weekly. And um, I I am an introvert, though. And so uh, I love people in the sense that God has given me a desire to care for and shepherd people. But people exhaust me. So <laughs> I, I would you like to rephrase that before this is a permanent? No, permanent I would not. I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm I want to be transparent and vulnerable. Okay. When I am around people for a long time, I'm very tired. I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy meeting with people, but I have to, in a moment, take time to replenish, and I replenish by isolation and alone time that's why i mean i for those of you who don't know me one of my favorite things to do is is farm i help part-time with our family farm and i can sit in the cab of a tractor by myself for 16 hours and i come home and i'm so energized and uh on the contrary my wife uh if she is by herself for a day um and i come home she goes i need other adult people i, I need people so uh that I would say I I am somewhat of a people person in the sense that I I enjoy walking with people I enjoy uh, disciple making relationships with people I enjoy uh, spending time with others but I hit a line like I hit a limit where mm-hmm. I go ah that's enough I'm I'm good now the the real the real follow up to this that kind of leads into the discussion today um, that comes off of whether or not we're a people person or not, and I don't think that this next portion of this is dependent on whether you're a people person, um, but the next part of this is, are there are there ever times, ha- really, have there ever been times in the past where you have tried to get people to notice you? Explain it. Yeah, I tried to get my wife to notice me. <laughs> you know, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. I was like, I, the, the person that I most cognitively remember mm-hmm. wanting to notice me was my now wife which mm-hmm. is a good thing yeah the challenge is that you side note side challenge don't you guys who are married who are listening to this don't stop pursuing your wives <clears throat> after you are married don't check the box and go oh i got her i'm done yeah, and don't do like I did once. We were supposed to have date night shows. Where are we going? I said, McDonald's dollar menu. I don't have to impress you anymore. No. Of course I was. You did not say Oh, that. yeah, I straight up did. Oh, my I was kidding, goodness. but I was kidding, kind of. Maybe maybe not maybe not that much. Kids, but this is things you don't do. Yeah. So don't take, do it. Take marriage advice from me. Do not, I repeat, do not tell your wife we're going to dollar menu. Do not try this at home. I don't home. have to impress you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was actually looking back it was super comical. It is now. Yeah, in the moment <laughs> not not as much. Um oh my God. And it's it's like uh it's kind of you can kind of use some words of God from Jonah and they're like does this do you well? Like <laughs> nope, not no, at all. No, it does not. 
no. And when you hear that old cliche that women never forget, that is very true. Mm. It's very, very true. She hasn't forgot that yet. Yeah. And I don't bring it up. I wonder why. So, yeah. <laughs> but, like, so we've told the story before uh, around our kids, especially on how I missed our first anniversary because I was deer hunting. And my children just won't leave that alone. And I'm like, well, mm. stop bringing this up. I'm like, I'll never talk about things in front of you guys again. You just keep getting me in trouble. Mm-hmm. And this morning, so my wife's not even home right now. I take the kids to school, and Nate just out of the blue, he's like, remember uh, when you uh, missed your first anniversary oh, with no. mom? I'm like, yeah, I remember it. Do you? No, because you weren't here yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if you don't watch it, you're not going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> so he's like, I'm just telling you, Dad, that's something pretty important you shouldn't forget. And I'm like, do you, because we were at the McDonald's drive through so I don't have to impress them either. And so <laughs> I was like, do you, do you want your hash browns this morning? Oh, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you would do well to remember not to be uh, bringing stuff up that dad does that's dumb. Okay, dad. Well, I just I just wanted you to know. <laughs> Countability. Like, yeah. There you go. Countability. <sighs> I think uh, I've actually struggled quite a bit um, with people pleasing in the past. This is something that uh, I've identified and I've shared even with my leaders that it's a challenge. Um, I tell people I have to remind myself of Galatians one ten all the time, which is, am I now a servant of man or a servant of Christ? If I'm a servant of man, I'm no longer a servant of Christ. And the reason that is really challenging, and I think this is true for a lot of people in full-time ministry, but I also believe it's true for most people, period, that there is something in us that wants other people to look at what we're doing and go, wow. Look at what they're accomplishing. And probably the most, one of the most evident examples of that is social media. I mean, social media is simply a tool by which I can show everyone else what I'm doing and allow them to like and comment on it. And that's the purpose it serves. And uh, to the point even that there's a lot of anxiety over people who will post something and then will constantly check back to see how many people have liked it. Um, You want a really practical example of uh, trying to get people to notice us, um, it's social media. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I I actually recognized the detriment of that in my own life and uh, removed all social media from, like, my mobile device because it just wasn't healthy. And uh, you can make excuses about other things it accomplishes but at the end of the day uh, what is my purpose in sharing pictures or comments about hey this is what i'm doing hey look i bought a new car hey look i got a new job hey look and while we may not think that that's our motive there is something in us intrinsically a part of our fallen human nature that wants to show off yeah and you know the other aspect to look at too is you know, you can say all you want. Well, it's just so, you know, family members and can keep up with the kids or whatever. If they want to keep up that bad, you can text, you can email. Like, there's other ways that are in social media. There's there's more going on there in that dynamic than just, oh, well, I, I'm doing this for, for relatives or whatever. Right. No. Yeah. And I do think, I, as anything else, if something like social media is used as a tool – to, for a task, it can be beneficial. Yeah. It, it can absolutely be beneficial. And that's true with anything. That's true with all technology. Yeah. But if we don't recognize the, at the same time the dangers when those things are gone without accountability, 
it can be a problem. Yeah, and you know, we were talking the other day uh, that I was talking about just completely deleting my Facebook once I download all my pictures off of it, just so I you know make sure I have copies of what's on there. And I was telling another friend about it, and he's like, "Well, I thought you know you did a lot of you know sharing Christ and stuff like that." And I was like, "Well, number one, I haven't made a post on Facebook in over a year." I said, "Number two, nothing is going to stop the gospel from being shared." Right. So f- the entire Facebook you know platform could come crashing down tomorrow, and it will affect the transmission of the gospel in no way. Right. So it's I look at that and say that's not even a thought to consider. Right. Well, and <clears throat> I think it's become an easy way for us to stand back and not actively pursue the things God has called us to. It gives us a facade that we're doing something that we're actually not. So, I mean, me sharing broadly on social media, sure, that might encourage someone, but chances are most of the people on your social media already believe similar to what you believe. You, you, We create an echo chamber for ourselves of people who affirm us and who like what we share or agree with us, and oftentimes that's what those become. So then we're just yelling into an echo chamber of other people who yell back the same thing, and we're not actually gaining any ground. We're just creating more anxiety for ourselves that we have to somehow keep up with what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason this is applicable it really has nothing to do with... I, we could go on for a long time about the dangers of social media and <laughs> how that affects our relationship with the Lord and with the relationship with others. But where, we, can, we can do a podcast on that if you guys yeah, want us to. I think we did do a podcast on that in, our, in the Walk podcast once. We yeah, might have. I, but I don't remember. Well, I'll, have to, I'll have to yeah. look. I'll have to look and see. But uh, within that, uh, we're, the text we're focusing on today is in Matthew chapter 6 and uh, really focusing on verses 5 through 8. And uh, this is a section where Jesus is giving several warnings uh, about, specifically about, uh, and if we want to go to the whole crux of the issue, it's in Matthew 6.1, where Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And that's the, that's the overarching theme and it goes on to talk about when you give, you shouldn't, uh, you, you should not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, in other words, don't give to be seen by man. But then it shifts the focus to prayer for the next two kind of warnings. And so in verse 5 uh, of Matthew chapter 6, it says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And the first thing we need to focus on there is who, what, what is Jesus talking about when he says, uh, don't be like the hypocrites. And so maybe uh, we just define kind of broadly what a hypocrite is. Most people would have a definition of that. But how would you define a hypocrite? Uh, I would say that uh, first, before I define that, is that almost everybody can raise their hand and say, yeah, I am one. That's true. Um, Because we all do it. But a hypocrite is somebody that basically says one thing and does something else. They're, you know, like, not like Jesus says in Scripture, they're not practicing what they preach. Um, So it would be, you know, one of us as a believer, you know, saying, well... Pornography is bad, and then going and watching pornography, or saying, you know, this is sinful, and then going and committing that sin. And, you know, it's it's different, you know, everybody has a slip-up, and there is a, 
understanding there on falling back into sin and um, making those mistakes. But if you're intentionally doing it, just like, you know, if you're in, especially in a, in a role like the Pharisees were, or, you know, like with Matt, like he's a pastor and he's a shepherd of a church, you know, it, it's a different emphasis on it in that aspect. And so when you're telling somebody, you know, this is, you know, basically the layout of the rules of this is what we're called to and you know, so on and so forth. And then you turn around and violate that exact same thing. That's a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, now, a lot of time. So I, I mentioned on Sunday that the the idea of a hypocrite is really one that is, uh, I, I believe Jesus is referring to the Pharisees here. Mm-hmm. Clearly, these are people who believe themselves to be religious, who believe themselves to be uh, uh, people of prayer, and they're but they're doing it in a way to show other people, like yeah. look at me, look at how I'm praying. I'm going to do it visibly before everyone else. Uh, and but I want to back that up biblically as to why I believe it's the Pharisees or the religious leaders that Jesus is talking about here, because when we read Scripture, we can make assumptions. But if we can't back those assumptions up with Scripture, we should question or kind of caution whether that's actually true. And so I, I flipped over to Matthew 23. I want to read you a couple different sections of this. Uh, in Matthew 23, uh, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they do not practice. So there's a, clearly I'm going to tell you one mm-hmm. thing, um, but but I'm, I'm going to live a different way. That's That would be hypocritical. Um, then later on in Matthew 23, actually Matthew 23, verse 23, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy, faithful, faithfulness. Uh, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And he says it again, verse 25, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. He says it again, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Mic drop. Jesus was pretty good at that. My goodness. I mean, you, and to stop and think about this for a minute, okay? Um, think about the fact Jesus is saying this about the religious elite in his day. He's not saying this about people who claim to follow another faith grouping. These were people who claimed devotion to the one true God. And they they followed after the law to a T, and yet internally he talks about there is no change there's no transformation that's happened. And they do all of these things outwardly, ultimately to be seen by men, but inwardly, as Jesus describes in Matthew twenty three, they are dead full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. That's a humbling, humbling statement and one that I would just challenge any of you listening to this to think through how much of your faith 
is outward expression as opposed to inward devotion. Uh, How much of what you do is checking a box so that on the outside, people might look and say, yes, you're a spiritual person. Um, And yet, what is the the state of your internal being? What, what, What does that look like? When no one's watching, what does that look like? Um, and even to say, where am I most prone to become hypocritical? Is it with my with my spouse? Is it with my kids? Is it is it with my buddies from work? Is you only you can answer that question? But the reality is, it won't take you long if you think about that to recognize where you're most prone. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, where you're most prone to become hypocritical. In your in your life, yep, and it's real easy to do it with your children, especially with where you know telling a little white lie um, and things like that, and then turning around and telling your children you shouldn't lie. Yeah, and so you know it's better to be honest and transparent and have difficult conversations with your children um, than to openly be hypocritical with them. Um, something I just seen um, in the Easton's Bible Dictionary, looking up hypocrites, is someone that puts on a mask, being mm-hmm. something that they're not. And that that's a very interesting way to look at it, and it, you know it kind of shows that duality of man and how yeah. we are, you know, sinful, and it just shows really shows and speaks into our nature. Yeah, and this, I mean, uh, when Jesus says in Matthew six, "Don't be like the hypocrites," because they they simply love to stand out in public and pray, um, and then he goes on to say, "Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward." That what what that saying is. The reward that those people are receiving is any recognition from people. That's it. That's where it ends. Um, as I said on Sunday, God's not impressed when you stand out in public or when you just pray in such a way to be seen by other people because God sees the condition of your heart. God's greatest concern is where's your heart condition at? And you can you could fool everyone else all day long. You You could fool me. You can come to church, you can be devoted, you can answer the questions with all the right ways, you can quote scripture, you can do all of that. But what's really happening in the depth of who you are, um, God knows that. Nothing is hidden from his sight. And we would be foolish to think that we can hide that. Well, look at the devil when he tempts Jesus. He quotes scripture to him. Absolutely. So, I mean, you can can definitely quote scripture and know things and, you know, very much have that aspect uh, of who you are and who you claim to be and then not be that person. Yeah. Yeah, and something to consider, too, when, when talking about the Pharisees. I mean, these are the same people that they received the law of Moses, is what it's called, the law from God. Which is all the you know? Look in Leviticus, you'll you'll understand, that. and it's an Exodus too, um, where like the Ten Commandments come down. But look at all that, and look at how much information is there. And these people added, like I want to say, it was like another like two hundred or six hundred somewhere in that range of additional mm. rules that needed to right. be followed because yes. they didn't think that the law that God gave them was good it enough to make them holy. Now this, now let me rephrase it again. They didn't think the law that God gave them was sufficient enough to make them holy. These are those same people that Matt just got done talking about and reading from Scripture that they've already got their reward because that reward is, it's all about them. Right. They added to God's yep. law. That's how good they are. They're the ones standing on the corner preaching, but they're not practicing. Does it make sense now for you there? I mean, that's that's a right. huge weight. Yeah. Well, and that's, the, the to make this even weightier, um, I believe that this is the same grouping of people that in Matthew 7 
where it says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, mm-hmm. Lord, did we not do many marvelous works and deeds in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And, and God says, I never knew you away from yep. me. And what, how, people read that and they get scared and they're like, well, what, that terrifies me. What does that mean? Well, it means that on the out, outside, what you do physically, what you do means nothing in the scope of eternity if internally you are not devoted to becoming more like Jesus. And that even is emphasized further in Ephesians 2, where we have the emphasis, you're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of works. Why? So that no one can boast. In other words, so that you can't brag about that before other people, because you can't do anything about it. You are incapable, in and of yourself, by your own works, to receive the redemption that can only come in Christ. And this is what religious leaders of the day didn't recognize. So um, they were convinced their righteousness, their devotion to the law is what uh, justified them. And then furthermore, uh, went on to brag about that by praying on the street corners, by making it public. And that's where their reward ends. Yeah, and if you want a, a prime example of, of that on on people you know that are going to go to God and say, hey, weren't we doing this, this, and this, just read in Acts uh, 19, the, seven, the sons of Sceva, uh, 11 through 16. This is just hilarious. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some itinerant uh, Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Hmm. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Oh my! And so, right there, that's I mean, super hypocritical. So, just to kind of you know figure out what's going on there, they're trying to you know do these exorcisms. It's not working, right? And so they're like, oh, well, we're going to try this Jesus fellow, yeah. And it didn't work. And so that's that, you know, calling on the Lord and oh, didn't we do this? Didn't we do? Yeah, you did. They did try to call on the name yeah. of Jesus and do something. And it, it didn't work. So. That's just a just a quick example. So so in verse six, Jesus gives the contrary to this. Instead of doing this to be seen by men, uh, it says, "But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who, see, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you." And so this goes directly contrasting to verse one of chapter six, where it says, "Don't practice your righteousness before." other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven to now uh, do this in this way and your father who sees in secret will reward you and this just further goes on to emphasize who you are in private is who you really are Mm -hmm. who you are when no one else is watching is the real you and I, I I recognize that every single person struggles with this who you paint yourself to be whether that's on social media, whether that is in your job, whether that is at church, everywhere you go, you are painting yourself to be someone, even if you're not. One of the most practical examples of this, if you're walking through the grocery store checkout line and you ask, hey, how are you today? Your instant response, guaranteed is, I'm doing good. How are you? Mm -hmm. You're not really doing good. Like You might be, but I'm going to guess that there's a lot of people that walk out of that store and... uh, 
are going, I'm really not doing good, but they aren't going to tell anyone that yeah. uh, because it doesn't further the image that uh, I want to portray to people. And maybe that's because in the past I have been vulnerable and I've been hurt by people. Uh, but it, it, either way you swing this, regardless of the reason, what we have to understand is if we believe God exists and God is sovereign over all things and he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, then we also have to recognize that I, I hide nothing from God. So why would I try to disguise where I'm really at by by my prayer life? And instead, uh, uh, what actually what I what I told people Sunday, and I still believe this: if you if you do not practice prayer in private, then do not pray in public. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're not someone who prays uh, regularly on your own in secret, then do not pray publicly. Yeah. Because in that moment, you are, regardless of what you think, you are just praying to be seen by men. Because you're afraid, maybe you're afraid of what they will think if you don't pray. Well, they'll think I'm not spiritual. They'll think, no, it doesn't matter. God knows your heart. God knows what happens in secret. But be, be very careful. If you're someone who only prays when you get together with other quote-unquote churchy people, um, that's dangerous. And there's no reward for that. God is not looking at you if you pray amongst other people, but never pray in private just with you and God. He's not looking at that going, oh, man, I, I'm so thankful they chose to pray in public setting. Yep. Because what God desires most is relationship with His create, those created in his image. He longs for and desires that we would reach repentance, that we would walk in faithfulness, and that we would be transparent and honest and vulnerable in, in in God's presence. And that has to happen on a consistent basis. Yeah, and I think another dynamic to talk about real quick is this text is also not saying don't pray in public. Great, yes, absolutely. I, I've come across that in the past, and I know uh, coming from a Catholic background that that was a, you know, another thing that was kind of, it wasn't ne- like necessarily something that the church put out, but it, it's common among Catholics that you know it's very reverent and very calm and private because of this uh, passage. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, "Well, I don't pray out loud." And when they, you ask them why, and you really press it, they'll go to this text and say, "Well, it's because you know it says, well, don't do this." Well, it depends on what your motives are. Correct. That's the key element there. I I'll sit in a restaurant and pray. Well, actually, Matt was the one that turned me on to this. When your waitress brings you your food, say, "Hey, we're going to pray over food. Is there anything we can pray pray for you about?" You know, that came from Charlie Bird. Did it? Yeah, I just okay. passed that all the way back to yeah. where it came from. So, if you don't know Charlie Bird, he he's, uh, he's, he's one not, of our is elders. He, is he still on the elder? Well, team? he's once you're, once you're an elder in our church, yeah. you're always an elder. Yeah, he's not he's not sitting on the board, yeah. but he's an elder of our church. Yeah. So, Charlie, I love you, buddy. He's an elder from the standpoint of being on he's the elder shepherd. board, and Charlie's also an elder because he's an old man. So I love you, Charlie. I just had to throw that out there for you. Um, he is. You can text me later about that. He is a gifted shepherd. Yes, I love Charlie. Um, if you've never had a chance to stop and pray with Charlie and Rhonda Bird, You're look them out. up on Sunday. You're they, missing out. Those two are are great. Um, but yeah, that's um, praying praying out loud in public for something like that. The motive is pure. You're. You're doing it for the right reason. Now, if you're just doing it to go, look at me, I, yep. I'm I'm praying for Jesus, and right. you know, if you're looking around to see who's watching before you start your prayer, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's that's more what Jesus was talking about. It wasn't just a blanket, don't do this out in public. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and we see examples of that. First Timothy two eight um, is where Paul says, "I desire that men in every place would pray, lifting holy hands." Um, uh, Acts twelve twelve through seventeen. I, I talked about that on Sunday. Um, that's where uh, uh, Peter shows up. He's been imprisoned, and it says specifically there, many people had gathered to pray, mm-hmm. and and so Scripture doesn't discourage. Uh, corporate prayer, in fact, I would argue it encourages it. Yeah. Uh, Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves mm-hmm. to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to the prayers. They, corporately. Yep. Um, so, in in the scope of that, uh, absolutely, Scripture does not discourage corporate prayer. Yeah. But here, again, and this is why it's important contextually to go back to Matthew 6.1, it's a warning of don't practice your righteousness to be seen by others mm-hmm. before other people in order to be seen by them because God will not reward that. It's yeah. self-serving. It's selfish. It's not bringing honor to God. It is self-glorifying, and that's what Jesus is warning about yeah. specifically when it comes to prayer. Yeah, and even in my, like, in my private prayer life when I'm at home and I'm, and I'm praying – I don't ever pray to go, okay, i got to fulfill this righteousness that God's imputed on me. Mm-hmm. It's never about that. I'm doing it because I'm so lowly and so, so or not lowly, but so low and in such need of God to be with me and to lift me up that I want to pray to him. I want him to hear me. I want to follow what he has told me to do and listen to his commands. So I very much, I don't, I don't necessarily claw him in my closet and yeah. shut the door, but I will go find a quiet corner in the house and just sit by myself and just be in communication with God right yeah. there in that moment. And it's not it's not for me in the sense of I'm doing this to, you know, give me some kind of, you know, fulfillment of a checkbox kind of thing or a task being knocked off my list. I'm doing it because I want to. Right. Because God God did what he did for me and I feel that the least I can do to, you know, <laughs> be thankful for salvation is to just communicate with him. Yeah. So this second warning in verse 7 comes. Oh, Jesus says, When you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And so here again, instead of hypocrites this time, we have Gentiles, which Jesus speaking primarily to the Jewish people here, the Gentiles would have been known as unbelievers, those who were not part of the covenant, those who were separated from God. Uh, So so you can correlate this and say uh, the Gentiles, those who are not part of the family of God, those who are not, do do not declare that they are people of faith at all. Um, They are the ones who heap up empty phrases because they think, man, if I just say a bunch of words... I'll be heard. You know, some higher being or higher power will hear me. And it's easy to fall into this trap. And maybe we've been in settings where we've seen other people do this. And so we feel like uh, if I don't know how to pray in an extravagant way, then I I, I can't pray. Yeah. Um, I, I've had people tell me this. They've, they've verbatim said, oh, I don't pray because I just can't pray like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And... One, that's the danger of uh, someone who heaps up just a ton of words. Um, You not only are hindering your own reward before God, um, you're also hindering the faith of others, which is something that, honestly, we don't think about. How how can my hypocrisy or my 
misrepresentation of something like this affect other people, um, not just me? And so Jesus' specific instruction, don't heap up empty phrases, uh, meaningless words, uh, but and instead, verse 8 says, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before him. Instead, you should pray like this, which goes into our text from last week, which is the Lord's Prayer, probably better named the Disciples' Prayer, because he told the disciples they're supposed to pray specifically in this way. So instead of just heaping up random words, random phrases, uh, to hopefully be heard by God, it gives a structure and a context to this is how you should pray. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I look at is like when you write your wife or if you are a wife and you write your husband a love letter, you put a lot of thought into that. There's there's emotion. You pour yourself out into that into that communication. And why would it be any different than with with God? You know, if you're going to go and pray to God, you you're going to have more than just empty words. Right. And so, like, when you look at Scripture, that's God's love letter to us. Yeah. Look at how raw emotion that's in there. There's, you know, so much just just a wide range of emotion and love the the key thing in there is love what's the whole primary focus point of scripture it's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our salvation and that's the greatest act of love that's ever happened in the history of anything and so like look at like that dynamic you know his his words to us is pure love and and just there's a lot of weight behind him. why should ours be any different going back to him yeah and that's a such a good illustration uh Focusing in on contrast, like an earthly relationship and how we would give care and intentionality to that. Um, if we treated most of our earthly relationships like we treat our relationship with the Lord, we would be very lonely people. We because would not no, have salvation. Because God would be like, I don't well, want that. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like if we if we treated people mm-hmm. like we do most of the time our relationship with God. People aren't going to stick around. No. Chances are you've actually, like most of you listening to this, have probably experienced a relationship in your life that's similar. <laughs> this is going to be painful. It's similar to how you function in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we often it, we often leave a one-sided relationship yes. with God. Like, God, uh, give me what I want. Do what I ask. Uh, be who I want you to be in my life. And that we don't actually devote ourselves to him. And we don't actually take seriously uh, the words of Scripture where it says, uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We don't do that. Yep. And and instead, I, I mean, think about an earthly relationship where that was the case. You know, you do it my way. Uh, do what I want you to do. Only be who I want you to be. Uh, the other person's going to go, yeah, see ya. Mm-hmm. And instead, we have a gracious Father who is patient and merciful and knew you were knew we were going to be this way, and yet still sent his son. And so he recognizing when don't pray like an individual who doesn't have a relationship with the Father. If you have a relationship with God, then as we talked about last week in in uh, Matthew six nine through thirteen, uh, pray first of all with a focus that's fixated on the things above, not the things on earth. Pray in order to honor God in His name, that His name would be hallowed, that He would be glorified, that His will would be done. And then pray for His provision and protection for this day. Don't don't get like way out there thinking that somehow your prayers are going to, uh, your, your many words of prayer are going to change the character of God. But focus in on who God already is. 
who he's revealed himself to be, what he has promised, and then allow that to shape and move your prayers in a direction that they should be for his glory, not for our own. Yeah. And, you know, and something that I wanted to say to you, our number one model throughout all Scripture, you know, you always see people, oh, Samson was super strong, or David took down to Goliath. The number one model in all of Scripture is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with that. But if you want to see other examples as well, and some like because we don't have when you when you look at Scripture, we don't have a whole lot of of information on on prayer or a relationship with God from Jesus. Yeah. It's it's a lot of it's more him, you know, given other instruction of how we're to live our lives and such. So if you want a real good uh, read read the book of Job mm. and look at all the things that happened to Job and he never falters. He still blesses the Lord. He's like, you know, for everything that God has done for him, even yeah. even through all the bad. Yeah. And so that that's a real good uh, example and model to look at for that that opposite of that one sided relationship. And so where it's not just about us and what we want. You know, Job, I mean, he had every right to be just absolutely furious because of what was going on, and he never faltered. And God God knew he wouldn't. You know, similar to like with Jonah, you know, God <laughs> God knew that Jonah wasn't going to want to do what he, he was commanding him to do, and Jonah tried to escape. And God's like, where do you, where do you think you're going? Like, <laughs> you're not going to get away from me. I transcend all of this. Right. And so... In the end of, of Jonah, Jonah's a very short read. It's four chapters. It'll literally take you, like, not even five minutes to read it. Yeah. But start, like, pick out those things. You know, maybe you, haven't, maybe you didn't get that when you've read Jonah in the past. But look at the, the aspects of that. And look at how God says, you know, should I, you know, you pitied for this plant and you didn't labor or toil or nothing for it. Why should I not pity, pity for the 100,000 people or 120,000, I think it was, in Nineveh? Yeah. God labored and toiled for every single one of us. That's why he has pity on us for when we we're doing stupid stuff. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this is my little rant for the day. i got to get at least one rant in every podcast <laughs> where I just go completely out of where we're talking and just bring something else in. It's good. Um, so one, one kind of final area that I want to highlight on in this section that I've had people ask me in the past and is a, is a fantastic question when we come to verse 8. Um, where it says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And I've had people say to me before, if God already knows what I need, why do I need to pray? Kung Kung. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the best, most appropriate time for the law and order, Kung Kung. Oh my goodness. So, in in the scope of this, this is a really important thing for us to wrestle with. I don't think we have enough time to wrestle well, with this thing. This could be multiple parts. We, we kind of did, when yeah. I in the first message yep. of this series, uh, where we asked the question, why do I need to pray? And so, I encourage you, for a longer walk through that, um, go listen, re-listen to that message and the mm-hmm. conversation around it. But here's here's what I want to I challenge you with in thinking about this. We... We have missed the mark on why we should pray when we make it about us. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the number one issue. And I have people who have given up praying and have walked away from the relationship with the Lord because they prayed and, oh, God didn't answer. Like, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and God is just silent or he didn't answer at all. And I would direct you to the book of James um, where it says... Um, you you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Yes. And your focus, as Colossians 3 would say, 
is on the things of earth, not the things above. So mm-hmm. fix your eyes on the things above, not the things on earth. Or Jesus' words, uh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Or Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So the problem is in the scope. God already knows what we need. That's another important word mm-hmm. before we ask him. Not that he's going to give us what we want. Yes. And so when we see this and say, your father already knows what you need before you ask him. When we come to God, we shouldn't heap up empty phrases. Because God in his sovereignty already knows what we need. He longs for relationship with us where we would ask and long for what we need. Mm -hmm. And that our eyes would be so fixated on Jesus that it becomes apparent what our deepest need really is. And for those of you listening today, the number one greatest need you have today is salvation that can only be given to you in Christ. You you need more than yourself. You, You have to be dependent on more than yourself. If you don't recognize that need and you just simply ask God to resolve your problems, God is simply saying, I've already provided the solution. It's in Christ. The solution is in front of you. And so you're sitting there spinning your wheels convinced that God hasn't answered when he has already answered and he's already made it clear. So I just challenge you to think through what is your motive for praying? If we can recognize that God in his sovereignty already knows our greatest needs, and I would argue he has already provided for our greatest needs before we even ask him, then why do we pray? We pray so that we would align ourselves with the purposes and the will of God in honor and glory to him, which is exactly what Jesus teaches in verses 9 through 13. Yeah, and a couple of things on that. So just to kind of clarify what James is talking about there, if you are modeling Christ and you are putting Christ on, if you are dead to self and alive to Christ, your prayers are going to reflect what is best for the kingdom of God and for the advancement of the gospel. It's not going to be, oh, Lord, I just wish I could win that Powerball. It's going to be, Lord, help me bring more people to you. Give me the tools I need to share the gospel. If if there's somebody that I come across today that needs to have that talk, Lord, just make it apparent to me. Put that on my heart. Mm-hmm. Those are the prayers that we need to be praying. Now, it's, you know, we talked in another podcast. It's okay to still pray for worldly things. You know, that's that's understandable. But what James is talking about is that, you know, what, what's the motivation behind it? And then second, when asked why we pray, I think of children. And the answer when a child asks you that should never be because I told you to or because the Bible commands it. It needs to be explained because we love God and we desire to communicate with him, and that's how we do it. Never, ever, ever approach that with a because I told you to or because that's what we do, that we're a family, we're going to pray before our meals. Never is that okay. Because you will turn a child or even an adult, you will turn them off a prayer in a heartbeat over that. It should never feel like it's some kind of compulsion, like, oh, man, i got to pray today or I'm going to be in so much trouble. It should never be that. You're in trouble. I need to pray. Like That's what you need to do. And so just kind of think about that dynamic if you're if you're going through prayer things with your children. Because my kids struggled praying out loud. And I still do just because I don't like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will. I, I don't have any problem with it. It's just not my favorite thing to do. Um, 
just because of fear of messing up or, you know, getting tongue-tied and, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, we walked through that, you know, because, well, Dad, why do we pray? Well, we pray because, you know, we want to communicate with God. Yes, Scripture does command that we pray to God, but that shouldn't be how you explain to a child because they just don't have that that reasoning to understand. At least most children don't. Um, To not get confused there and be like, oh, I feel like some kind of just obligation to check a box and get this over with. Yeah, that's good. So just to kind of summarize, um, Matthew 6, 1, don't practice your righteousness to be seen by other people, whether that's doing it in public to be seen by people or praying in an extravagant way to be seen by people. Um, Live your life in such a way there's consistency in your private life and in your public life. Let there be patterns that are consistent. Uh, If you aren't sure if there's consistency, ask your spouse, ask your friends, ask your family. Uh, ask people close to you. If you don't have people that are keeping you accountable to that, then that's your challenge. You need to have people who can speak hard truths into your life when they see the reality of who you are. And uh, everyone needs people like that in their lives. And uh, that's the uh, uh, at the end of the day, that's the purpose of the church. The church exists that we would walk with each other, uh, which is why our mission here is um, to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. So um, to close today, I just want to I want to pray. And uh, if there's specific ways we can be praying for you or with you, uh, email us. Let us know that uh, that's something we can do. If you have questions, uh, we want you to ask those questions to us. And uh, we pray this is going to be beneficial for your long-term walk with the Lord. Father, thank you for the grace you've given us in Christ. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for your mercy. God, we don't deserve that. I pray that uh, you would be honored uh, by whatever comes of this. God, that we would be challenged by your word in a way that it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other, but that we would do what it says, as James tells us. And Father, that you would create in us uh, people who are passionate about your truth, who are passionate about your word, and who long to live as Jesus did both in word and deed. For your glory, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.